0: Homegrown's all right with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. Homegrown! Homegrown!
1: Homegrown. Welcome to Radioactive. It's Punk Rock Farmer Friday. I'm Laura Jones, and joining me in Zoomland is.
2: This is Al, and I'm right here, the Punk Rock Farmer.
1: Fresh and homegrown from the Utah Farm and Food Conference last week. We're going to get an update tonight, right?
2: Big update. Boy, we had a good old time down there. It was a great show of community. Big, big show.
1: And coming up, you uh, actually managed to hook Bob Quinn one more time. I remember it was in November. We talked to him last and said, are you going down down to the conference? And he wasn't sure at that time. And then he's going down there. You guys are hanging out. And now we get the report, Al.
2: Big report. Bob was a Bob was a big part of the conference. He was the keynote. He had a couple breakout sessions. We'll get into some of that stuff.
1: Are we going to hear from Cymbria and Sarah? Because I understand they're up in Salt Lake, actually, on the Hill. They are on the Hill, and I was
2: actually up there on the Hill with them this morning. So they have a a new angle that they're going for. There's not any big bills going this time, but they're educating people, and they have another little oh, another something up their sleeve.
1: Great, we'll hear all about that. Plus, we're going to get uh, a Many Cultures One Sky report from Skywatcher Leo T. And I've got a Sundance update for you. The festival's underway virtually because we're in the terrible twos of COVID, Al. You know, (laughs) that's how I'm putting it. And joining us to talk about that and what it's meant as a musician, we have fresh and homegrown Talia Keyes sharing some more music with us tonight. Hey, Talia. How's it going, radioactive team? And of course, you know... Let's not forget, she's also a KRCL DJ. Saturday night, Sunday morning, we're here with Talia Keys midnight to 2 a.m. True that.
3: That, for me, has been like the silver lining of this whole pandemic, is finally being able to make a show for KRCL. So thank you, KRCL, for the therapy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of which, Al, I sent you over a link to a Facebook post Talia put up, and it's been rough. When you got a new album, you can't get out and play and support it, Al.
2: Yeah, I know. I read it yesterday and it, oh, it affected me. I, 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 I'm so sorry to tell you that it's, it's, it's terrible. And I feel it too. I'm so ready to just live and, and get on with life. It's, boy, oh boy.
3: Well, Laura said it best, the terrible twos, you know, we first were talking two weeks, right? And then we're talking two months and now we're deep into two years and this summer was a nice little taste. Like we got that little taste of freedom of being able to play shows again for people and see our fans and give hugs to actual human beings, and then just to have it all kind of just stripped away again. It's it's shocking, um, you know. And for me, the hardest part is just that human connection, missing humans, being depressed, being isolated, being alone, reading Facebook posts. You go down this like rabbit hole of. Am I even doing anything that matters, you know? does Because to me, in all reality, my music and my shows, they don't matter like people's lives do. And so that's where I've had this like check of, well, does playing that show at the bar really matter? Well, no, it doesn't, you know? And even though it is a form of therapy for me, I think right now we do have to just kind of lock it down, keep each other safe, you know, make good decisions, have safe shows. Um, and I do wanna shout out to the venues in town that are doing it safe. They are requiring COVID requirements. They're requiring face masks again, that helps, you know? And as someone with a type one diabetes and several, what they like to say, comorbidies, uh, you know, I'm just a regular human, but I'm a disabled human. And being a disabled musician now has been thrown in my face more than ever of, yeah, well, why don't you just stay in while the rest of us get out and get back to work? Um, so it's hard. It's really hard. I I don't know what to do. I'm kind of in this weird place of releasing this music to just the universe. It's like you're releasing it to the air. And are there people there listening? Are there fans singing along? Um, and, you know, it's an adaption. So the terrible twos, Laura, it's
1: the best way to put it. <laughs> well, we wanted to give you the opportunity to share some music, at the very least, through Radioactive. Al, what's the first song going to be? The first
2: song is Ain't Got Time For This. This is Talia Keys right here, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM.
0: For ransom, he's not at all random that most of us cannot
1: One in four Utah's has a criminal record. February 10th marks the beginning of automatic record clearance in Utah. If you or someone you know needs help with the expungement process, visit cleanslateutah.org, a new nonprofit working to ensure that Utahns don't miss out on opportunities because of their past.
4: Get that clunker off your to-do list and out of your backyard forever. KRCL's car donation partner, Cars, Inc., will tow your vehicle and donate the proceeds to KRCL. Find out if you can get a tax deduction for your used vehicle donation by visiting the support tab at krcl.org. It's many cultures, one sky. Guy watcher Leo T here as we look up, look around and get lost in space. And looking up in the east after dark, we can do that by looking up very high. Find bright Capella, the goat star here. To the right of it is a small narrow triangle of stars known as the kids. They're not very bright, but it's worth finding. They form a magical pattern or asterism with Capella. And now that the waning moon doesn't rise until about 9 p.m., this is your chance in early evening to see the winter Milky Way. Well, if you can get up to the mountains of the desert anyway, look low in the southeast and see it winding from the brightest star. Sirius Follow the strand up between Orion and Gemini, overhead and down through twinkly Cassiopeia, Cepheus, and Cygnus to the northwest horizon. What a nice voyage to take with your eyes and senses. Taking the little Skywatcher ship out again to Mars, where NASA's Curiosity rover has uncovered interesting organic compounds again. Some of the powdered rock samples that Curiosity has collected over the years contain organics rich in the type of carbon found here on Earth, like at Yellowstone. But many Martian processes remain mysterious, so it's too early to know what generated the intriguing chemicals. The search goes on. You can see some intriguing photos on the Skywatcher FB page taken in front of a rock outcrop named Mont Mercou. Curiosity landed inside the Mars 96-mile-wide Gale Crater in 2012. Rover teams soon determined that Gale's floor was a potentially habitable environment billions of years ago, harboring a lake and stream system that likely persisted for millions of years. James Webb Space Telescope, which is still roaring into space, has now deployed its 18 mirrors Webb still has one more key development milestone to complete a trajectory burn that will insert the observatory into orbit around a spot in space known as Earth-Sun Lagrange Point 2, nearly one million miles away from Earth. It's many cultures, one sky, this from Anthony Aveni and his book Star Stories. Today we head up north to visit the Inuit who live in the polar regions of Canada, Alaska, Greenland, Russia, and Denmark. There the sun is gone for two months from November to late January, To balance this out, the sun shines all the time from late May until late July. The Inuit sky is animated with tales of the hunt and the hazards of traveling over vast ice fields to secure the catch. There's a bear, a caribou, and a seal, foxes, wolves, and an oil lamp, a kayak stand, and most important of all, a late winter bringer of light, Agjuk, or the stars seen at dawn. This also signifies the biggest celebration of the year. During the extended twilight, people eat and drink to excess. They masquerade and change partners and change who they are for a while. And when they've eaten so much they're ready to burst, they rise up to play and dance and express their joy at the return of the sun to their hemisphere. Ana aja ahu. The welcome sun returns again. So keep celebrating life. Look up, look around, and get a little bit lost in space. And on Earth, Skywatcher Leo T.
1: Many Cultures, One Sky with Skywatcher Leo T., a KRCL volunteer, sharing his love of all things above us. Before we get back to the show, just a programming note here. I'm bumping our Sundance coverage because I got a late-breaking interview with Ivone Nash, host of KRCL's Talakola program, Sunday nights from 10 to midnight. She's also part of the National Tongan American Society, and she gave us a great update on what's happening in her homeland of Tonga. Here's that conversation.
5: It's a really sad week for all the Tongan people in the world, uh, especially us over here in Utah, that we watch it from afar and we cannot help them. And uh, then all of a sudden the line go blank and they, we, they got cut off from the world. What we hear is pieces from New Zealand and Australia where they can get some direct line to the prime minister's office uh yeah last week is really sad and but we are people that we are close we are really close and then we share with its other what's really going on in Tonga it's really sad because I grow up there and I go through lots of hurricane but not an earthquake like this
1: Yeah, I've been looking on your Talacola show page on Facebook, and we'll put a link in the show notes, folks, for you to check it out as well. Yes. But uh, lots of uh, posts have started to come through that you're resharing. Yes. I'm not sure how folks are even getting those out. Is it satellite phones and uh, that kind of hookup? Yeah,
5: it's satellite phone. And and some of them are way uh, before it happened. And now that Australia and New Zealand is going there, and they pick up a lot uh, through their own... uh, um, cameras and stuff like that because the line to Tonga to connect to your really f- family is not connected yet. Yeah, that's going
1: to take it a was, while. Yeah,
5: yeah, it's take a while. It, it, it's it's really sad because <clears throat> I heard it live from one of our friends who put it on the day that it happened and I can hear the thunder and I can hear the rain, the acid rain that dropped the lava on top of people's houses. And I see it when the water come land, and then it went blank and that's when your heart just screams and you're just mm-hmm. hoping everybody make it. And then you hear that some of the little islands got wiped out and some people. But you know what, Laura, what's a blessing to us? There were only three people that died.
1: Yes, those three lives tragically yeah. lost. But yeah. considering the magnitude of the eruption, I'm I'm amazed that there haven't been more casualties. But now, now there's uh, the threat from you know just trying to survive in the wake of this disaster.
5: It's, yes, it's really really bad because it's new to the people, and they got you can hear the uh, mothers how scared their voice are in the children because they don't know what acid rain is. They don't know. Uh, where to run what it really happened in the low islands in the main islands that's tongatapu and it's in the um right by the ocean where they go the people go inland to hide from you know so the tsunami when i look at it it's not that really huge like what happened in the philippines but it's bad it's the first time ever that it's happened like things like that in tonga
1: and talk a little bit more about this acid rain. This is an after effect as the ash is still circulating, I guess. And it, it threatens yeah. crops.
5: Be- yes, because when I heard it, I thought the lady who was doing the live said, there is, um, now there is rain, but it's not rain. It's ashes and it's rock that hit the ceiling, you know, the top of our houses and stuff like that. But it, uh, they said that it's on the leaves of the plant. It's on the ground. And there is ashes that is so thick um, that they have to clean the airport so the so the airline can land in there with what they what they need and what they really need now is just food, water. Water is the most uh, thing that they need. And I what I do, I plead to the people when they ask me, do to the Tongan people help your family first? And your villages, because you know who they are. And, you're, and helping them go straight to them right now. So, like, if it is open up, they can send their money to buy food. Because the Northern island was not hit that bad. And it's close enough for them to get their supplies from.
1: Okay. And the first relief. Uh, uh, flights have been landing. I think I yes. read that where the UN, United States is sending three thousand folks. This opens up though another threat because Tonga has been relatively unscathed by COVID.
5: It's so scary. Oh, what I heard that they the people that bring in the the help and stuff they don't go. They don't. They just stay on the airplane and the Tongan people go in. The workers go take it in. They don't allow them to go into the. But when, the other, like when other people come in to help rebuild, that's when COVID 19 is going to be there.
1: Yes. So, what can people in our community do to help? We've been talking to other folks um, mm-hmm. uh, about this and want to hear from you, not only as the host of Talakola, the show that for decades has been a voice around the world for Pacific Islanders, but also you're part of the National Tongan American Society here in Utah.
5: Yeah, the National Tongan American Society in in Utah, uh, first of all, we encourage the Tongan people to help your family first because they are the people, you will reach them before all the help come in. Help the people first, help your community because you know your community. And then we have a fund page that put up at the National Tongan Society white, and the fund will go straight to the Tongan government uh, to help out in whatever they feel like that needs to be helped. But first of all, Tongan people around the world who listen to me, help your family first.
1: What will you be talking about or with on this Sunday's show when Talacola comes around again at 10 p.m. Sunday night?
5: Okay, we're going to talk about where to send you know about our GoFund page and encourage them to help the people and update them on what we know that is really going on in Tonga because everybody is so scared and we hope for the best and um, and Talakola is a mouthpiece for the people who listen because since this happened the very Sunday we talk about it and we talk about it today uh, this Sunday too and we're trying to get someone from Tonga if the line is open. We have some people in Tonga line up so they can talk to us. Well, live. we'd love
1: to have you share that with uh, Radioactive after that happens on Talacola. We so yeah. we'll be talking again. And, Ivoni, I'm guessing you still have family, friends, cousins in Tonga? Yes,
5: properties, everywhere. But lucky, I know. I don't know. Somehow on my mind, I was so scared. I was so emotional. But somehow I thought I feel safe. I thought, oh, we'll be okay. We'll be, we'll be really, you know, because the the Tongan people, they are very religious people. And they, they, they put it, they say that Tonga and God are my inheritance. They are very, you know, with the power of prayers that everybody in the whole world pray about this little island, I'm so thankful that it didn't wipe the whole island and all the people out. Well, It's a blessing.
1: Ivoni, thank you for giving us this update and sharing um, your expertise, knowledge, and connections with our listeners tonight. We'll put in the show notes the link to the GoFundMe page because, Please. as I have often said, the... Well, I've been taught this after natural disaster. The second disaster is all the help that's coming at a location that can't handle it. So the GoFundMe and the Zion Bank account that's been set up as well are are great avenues to show your support for the people of Tonga, everybody.
5: Thank you, and thank you for giving me this time to... uh to let the people know what's really going on in Tonga. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for KLCL and your show.
1: And yours for decades. Talakola, Malo. Sunday nights at 10 o'clock.
5: Yes, we will We will have some people from Tonga. If the line is, is uh, because the, the lady who is doing the news from there, been here to Utah and been on Talakola, and she knows how to, how to talk to people out here.
1: And that's Yvonne Nash of KRCL's own Talacola. Check tonight's show notes for a link to the National Tongan American Society and their GoFundMe drive for Tonga. I'm Laura Jones. This is Radioactive Punk Rock Farmer Friday. Aldine Strick 9, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer, along for the ride with our good friend Symbria Patterson, who we Zoomed with while she was up on Capitol Hill.
2: Symbria Patterson's with us. A uh, little meeting we had up at the Capitol Um not any big bills pushing this year. There's some that might be tweaked a little bit, but uh, you got something else up your sleeve, huh, Cimbria? I know uh, this is really cool. It's educating the people. It's it's um, citizen lobbying, little meeting that's going on where folks are getting some information if they want to get up there and fight like we did.
6: So yeah, we've reserved a room, and. Um, Every Thursday from 9.30 to 10.30, we are in there to answer questions. Of course, we're, you know, talking about, we're not the only one who runs food and ag bills, so anything that has to do with the agrihood, we'll update you on that. But, you know, we had two people who had never been up on the hill today, and we just showed them really simple things like where, you know, where the outside of the lobby, where the house is, and how to, they didn't even... They, did, they weren't sure who their rep was or who their senator was. So I guess you could just kind of say it's at GIFC 101.
2: And the the girls were great. Well, they had a lot of questions, and they were really interested. It was a couple of gals from the Utah Food Coalition, right?
6: Yeah. Yeah, Darren Mann's working with them. And I know she works with Plant-Based Utah. And so yeah, it was really cool to have them come up.
2: So anybody out there who's listening, if you you felt like you had something you wanted to say or get up there on the hill, join, come join us in one of these meetings. Pastries are involved and some (laughs) hot, nice tea. And that always brings a couple folks in, but, um, I can tell you myself that, you know, I've been up on the hill with these guys a few times and they know what's going on. used to be who are these ladies but now it's like hey it's our people <laughs> so the climate's changed a little bit for you up there hasn't
6: it yeah it's it's actually really nice sometimes you felt like you were coming into enemy territory and when they'd see you coming it was like here comes trouble and I I think they've gotten the message that you know we just we wanna work with people. We wanna be a bridge builder, but we also have something that we feel like we have the right to do. And we're going to push for that if we think that's what we need to do.
2: That's, that, that's great. I, I think it's great. And so uh, something else is coming up. Like I said, there's not there's not a big bill this year, but uh, next week we have a little, we kind of schmooze all the legislatures and legis, we kind of schmooze all the legislators and we feed them farm fresh food. And this is a really great event. I got to meet my rep the first time we did it, had no idea who he was before that. You guys got me involved. Tell a little, folks a little bit about how this works.
6: So typically, you know, this is how it's done, right? Somebody, Farm Bureau gets a day on the hill, the you know Bureau of Tourism gets a day on the hill, SUU gets a day on the hill. And we thought, well, why can't red acre center up the rotunda? So figured out how to do it a few years ago and our food I think is different. And honestly, some of these legislators are like, that's the best food we get all session. So we, uh, we take over the rotunda for a few hours for lunch. It's uh, we list all the farms and we have the farmers there. Uh, Stanford will be there with the beef. And um, then we invite any farmer if you're over at Farmer's Market, Allison's been up there with us before and Green Urban Lunchbox. We invite you to set up a table and uh, meet your rep and come hang out with us. And we'll be there next Wednesday if you're interested in joining us. Um, I guess the best way to do that is contact us on Instagram or Facebook. Leave a message there either, either we'll, place. We'll
1: put links in the show notes so people can catch up with you, Symbria. You mentioned Allison. Allison Enerson of the downtown Salt Lake City Farmer's Market. And, uh, the budget is what's really occupying everybody's the base budget mind. And then there's the special requests. And, uh, I think we're pushing again, aren't we to do that food hub for small ag folks. So keep an eye on that for us and let us know when it pops up and if it's got some support so we can, uh, do a shout out and get people behind it. Cimbria.
6: Yes. And your market, um, so there's a Farmer's Market Coalition. That's Regan Emmons. I don't know if you've ever had her on, but she's asked, she has an ask, too. And honestly, Red Acre Center has never had a bill that's asked for money. So we've always just kind of been asked to be left alone. <laughs> so, yeah, but no, we definitely are. We were in appropriations. That was the meeting Al joined us for this morning. That's where they're, that, That's where they do the budget. So the drought, you know, is the big topic up here, of course, this session. So. What is the website for Red Acre Center? Redacrecenter.org, right? Yes, redacrecenter.org. So
1: good That's to it. see you. And knowing that you are up on Utah's Capitol Hill, that gives me great comfort. <laughs>
6: thank you, guys.
2: You know, we have Bob with us, and he's. And we're going to talk about the conference. And I just want to say thank you so much for doing the conference. And uh, the way it came off in such a short-notice time, and we were kind of uncertain that with the times that we're in that it was going to happen, but it sure went off with a smashing success as far as I can tell.
6: Yeah. I, it's what last Saturday we ended. I don't think we had a super spreader party knocking on foot over here. I I was
1: hosting it. So.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you just weren't. I mean, you know, we had tons of space and we had our, we had some great, Hot drinks, immune boosting tea, and we had tons of space. And we, it was cold. We kept the doors open at the hangar to keep air rolling through there. But I think, I think we struck a happy medium with both groups of folks that come to that. And um, thanks to KRCL, you guys were awesome. The the mixer went off and the seat exchange and and the photo booth. So we really appreciate you guys supporting it.
1: In fact, check tonight's show notes for the show post collage. We'll put some of those photos from the Utah farm and food conference in it. Al, uh, uh I think there might be a new t-shirt, uh, inspiration in one of the photos with you <laughs> and a bullhorn, literally a bull's <laughs> horn. So
6: <laughs> thanks, Cymbria. Okay. Love you guys. Thanks.
1: Al, let's get some more music from our featured musician tonight, Talia Keys, Fresh and Homegrown, Al.
2: This one's Born in the Light. Tell, tell us a little bit about it, Talia.
3: Yeah, this is my latest single. It just came out under a month ago, and it is about the struggle of depression. Surprise! <laughs> um, and how we can go outside and, you know, make our peace with nature. And so for me, I wrote this song down in Moab when I was driving and questioning what I was doing with my life. And then I just looked out my window and the scenery and the beautiful blue skies and the beautiful red rocks, like truly did heal my heart. And so it became that song for me of like, you can't change who I am because I was born in the light. And I just felt that overwhelmingly when I was out in nature. So don't let people change who you are. You were born this way, y'all. It's about loving yourself. It is. So
2: Here you go. This here's a new one, Born in the Light, from Talia Keys, right here on KRCL 90.9 FM.
6: KRCL comes from the Mobile Moon Co-op, a female and queer collective and mobile apothecary offering handcrafted herbal products, teas, and cultural events and workshops. More information at mobilemooncoop.org or on social media platforms at Mobile Moon Co-op.
1: Welcome back to Radioactive on KRCL. I'm Laura Jones, and coming up at 7 o'clock, it is Democracy Now. At 8 o'clock, not a sideshow with Circus Brown, and then you can get your Friday night fallout with Keith and Nate at 10.30, Liquid Rhythms with Ken at 1 a.m., and Saturday Breakfast Jam at 7 a.m. with Shanna Lee. You can get all of that programming info on our website, krcl.org. Click on the Programming tab, and you can listen to the last two weeks of any show, including Radioactive, on demand. All right. If I didn't say it before, I'm saying it again. I'm Laura Jones, and it is Bunk Rock Farmer Friday with Aldine Strychnine. And congratulations on a successful Utah Farm and Food Conference. Your first time last weekend in Cedar City, participating as a moderator, stepping up in the world.
2: How'd it go? Yeah, they, you know, they, they ask and I jump. And, <laughs> and so I was a little apprehensive, but boy, we really had fun with it. i my enthusiasm for seeds is pretty unadulterated, and it was shown in the in the in the little breakout we did. Folks really enjoyed it, and I was really happy. Folks were applauding at the end, and and what uh, makes you feel good when you know what you're doing is is doing some good work. Gave away so many seeds, so many seeds, pounds of seed, different seed for people's gardens, all naturalized here for the our area from like a regional seed bank from our area, it makes big difference. It was really great to be a part of the conference. And also it was so great to, to be there with Bob. Bob's with us now, Bob Quinn, he's, uh, he's up in Big Sandy, Montana, real close to there. He's uh, He tours all over, speaking all over the world. He's a pioneer in organics. He has books that he's written. He's still doing organic research. I think he'll do organic research until he can't, until, he, until the end of time, as far as I can tell. Thanks so much for being with us, Bob. Hey,
7: Bob. Well, thanks very much, Al. That's great to be here. And of course, it was great to spend the weekend with you down there in Cedar City. It was a, a fantastic experience, and I'm uh, loving it uh, still, uh, just thinking about it and the memories of it.
2: Bob, you were the keynote speaker, and you talked a little bit about choosing between local and organic. And then you had a couple of breakouts. Um, on that keynote, if you want to give, can you condense it a little bit and give folks the gist of it?
7: Sure, I can put an hour into two minutes. How's that? Minute or <laughs> 30 seconds. Well, they wanted me to talk about the dilemma when sometimes you have to go or when you go to the store and you have to choose between local that you want to support, and organic that you want to support, and they're nowhere close to one another. And so I tried to explain what organic was, and why it was important, and why it was good, and what local is. Um, because Some people think uh, if it's from America, it's local. Um, Some people think if it's from North America, it's local, or even uh, the Western Hemisphere. So anyway, there's all kinds of definitions. But in the end, I tried to encourage people to think of ways where they don't have to choose anymore, or they can help encourage the local farmers um, to to switch to organic by giving them a a, a contract and say, you know, we'll we'll buy so many uh, pounds of carrots if you'll grow them and here's some cash as a down payment or something like that. It's kind of like a CSA in reverse is what I was suggesting. And so it's finally, we really need to get our food produced closer to home. And in the end, if we can help do that in any way, why not help farmers be organic and eliminate um, all the problems that comes with chemical industrial agriculture? So that was what I was trying to share.
2: You know, it was really great. And then uh, I I can't stress how much uh, I believe that, you know, this this food that we eat, if it comes from local, if it comes from home, if it's organic, everybody's gonna be a lot a lot healthier in this world. And, and uh kind of is a terrible thing that 60% of the people in the United States have some sort of a chronic disease. And uh, I'm I've been pushing for a while that I believe I believe so much in, in nutrient dense food and and keeping our it'll keep our health a lot better here in our country.
7: Well, I think you're on the right track with that, Al. Um, No country can afford to have a majority of its people sick. I don't care what kind of healthcare system we have. We can argue about that all day, but it all costs money. It doesn't matter what kind of system there is. It all costs money. And when the majority are needing the money rather than um, producing and um, providing the money, uh, we're going to be in a world of hurt. And it's just a matter of time that... uh, that the uh, we don't have enough to go around uh, to do the basics, and the other thing with locally produced food. I mean, I, I know that everybody's seen the empty store shelves here in the last uh, sometime during the last couple of years. Well, part of the problem of that is because our food is coming from so far away. Um, if we had it closer, we would um, have more control over that, and probably have uh, more opportunity to be supplied and not wonder where it's going to be when it's going to be showing up.
1: So Bob, when we talked to you in November, you weren't sure about going down. So obviously you got it together and you went down to Cedar city last week for the Utah farm and food conference. What did you hear from folks down there as you uh, talk to folks about their situation or what they're looking at? Is there, um, what's the temperature I'm guessing? I'm, I'm guessing I'm asking, I'm asking you.
7: Well, we're in the dead of winter. <laughs> so, but all eyes are really on spring. I tell my friends, you know, this time of year, it's just every day is one day closer to spring, and spring is really the time of hope and and the new year and a new crop. And uh, uh, we always, as farmers, we always think that next year is going to be better. And that's and that was the attitude that I found down there too. It was no different than what I'm used to in that regard. I mean. Um, it's been a pretty tough go here recently, but still there's a lot of optimism, and and I met some, oh gosh, some, uh, a kid that started his own, ba- she started her own bakery um, at, I think, 14 or something. It was an amazing story, and they're doing all whole grain sourdough, I mean, it's just and they're trying to have as few chemicals, almost no chemicals. I mean, it's on the verge of organic. Uh, There's just one teeny tiny step away. So that's really a lot of progress from what we normally have in the store. I was thrilled with that. And I got some samples and met a gal who um, uh, is teaching how to make sourdough whole grain breads right in your home um, over Zoom. And she charges for this as a, you know, as a class. And I talked to her about helping me with um, my project up here at the Rocky Boy Indian Reservation, where we're growing our own grain on converted uh, ground, uh, converted 500 acres of their farm to organic. They're growing the Kamut brand wheat, which is good for diabetes. They're loaded with diabetes. Um, we've got a flour mill in um, college now where they can grind their own flour. But um, the last step, I mean, it's it's not any good until you get it on the table, right? Um, <laughs> and, and that's the last step. And so this gal said, oh, man, I can help with that. We can set up classes at their college or whatever you want and um, help them take that whole grain flour into sourdough bread, which is the best kind of bread uh, that you should be eating anyway. And um, I'm thrilled with that. So that was a connection. That was my most exciting connection down there. There are lots of them. We got to see some lots of old friends and make lots of new ones which is always a fun part of a conference for me, but to have a resource that I stumbled into, I wouldn't have known anything about without having gone down there. That was, a, that was a, the cherry on the top of the cake. That's for sure.
1: That's fantastic. That's what they're trying to build. That's why uh, KRCL and Radioactive are supporting as a media sponsor. And Al went down again and did the mixer and the photo booth and the seed swap. In fact, Al, I think I saw you posting on, on Facebook that you started seeds.
2: Yes, I have that fever that Bob was talking about. And I started some onions because I know they take like six months to grow. And so I started some onions, a couple of trays, about 150. And I put two in each little hole. So a possibility of 300, I'll pluck some of them. I have a real hot, tough time with natural selection myself and, <laughs> and pulling them and pulling them out. I do so too. Even, I... If they, even if they're a little weak and and falling over, I still am like, "Oh, this is a plant. This is a this is food waiting to happen, man." I that's radical
1: hope this. to put some <laughs> seeds in the in the tray this time of year, Al.
2: Right. <laughs> it, it, so, Bob, you talked a little bit about winter, and where you're at is unfathomable. It's a zone three. Tell folks what <laughs> that's all about.
7: <laughs> well, um, the whole country has been divided into. Um, climate zones by USDA, and we're in three. You know, I don't think they go to zero, (laughs) so um, we're about as low as you can get, and that means that we can expect sometime during the winter to be 40 degrees below zero, and that's, you know, at 40 below, that crosses, uh, it's the same for Fahrenheit and centigrade, that's where they cross, so that's pretty chilly. And um, the plants have to be hardy to to take that. And so our choices for trees and shrubs are not uh, anything like your choices in in Utah. I'm not sure what zone you're at there. But as you go further south, it's just one zone after another. And and pretty soon, you're in the palm trees by the time you get to St. George. So that's quite amazing to me in one state. we, we might go into zone four, maybe in some of the mountain valleys and maybe even the zone five next to the lakes at the Flathead, I'm not sure. But anyway, we're mostly zone three. And so you have to, uh, the things that's hardest on us in the wintertime is not just the cold that just kind of comes and stays, but it's when we get Chinook winds. And Chinook winds are warm winds, Chinook is an Indian name meaning warm wind, and that's what happens. And we could go from 40 below to 60, well, overnight when the wind comes in. And that's not so bad as when you go the other way. If you're 60 degrees for a week, and then you go into um, uh, uh, 30 or 40 below, or even 20 below in 24 hours, that is really hard on trees and buds and everything. Especially if, they, if that warm weather has caused them to start to think about growing and think that it might be spring, and then they get zapped, and then we lose a lot of, of trees. Even, the, even some of the native ones can be killed with those uh, extremes. And uh, that's what we're faced with, and, you know, we're used to it as part of the as part of the territory, Al.
2: <laughs> so, you know, you told a little story. Uh, you wanted to grow an orchard. You wanted to grow an orchard, and people told you that that was just not going to happen. And when someone tells Bob Quinn that it's not going to happen, what happens, Bob?
7: <laughs> well, I take that as a great challenge, and I said, okay, let's go. <laughs> And I try to find, uh, you know, people that have done something like it somewhere that can coach me a little bit. But I learned a lot of things along the way. For one thing, that and, and it's no one told me, that um, semi-dwarf trees, I and mean, that's what you mostly find in all the the uh, outlets anyway, and a lot of the nurseries, too, are getting bringing in semi-dwarf trees from Minnesota or other places, or even western Montana, west of the mountains, where a little um, a little milder, and they say, oh, this, is, this is the best thing to grow, and they're probably, you know, they're talking about for your yard, but you don't have much space, um, or in towns, the towns are a little more protected than we are out here in the prairie, but I found about a third of my semi-dwarf trees didn't make it through these winters, they didn't make it through one or two or three or four, but I've gone, been going for about 12 or 13 years now, in my orchard, and I have 30 different apple varieties, and a third of them have been no, no, two-thirds, two-thirds have died, or, or significant portions of them have died from different um, winter events. And so I've replaced them all with standard-sized trees, and they have less stress. When you're, when you're making a semi-dwarf, you're putting a rootstock on there that puts a little stress on the tree so it doesn't grow as tall and as and a smaller tree. Well, that stress also is a, um, a negative factor if you're under other stress <laughs> that's coming from the environment. And so they just can't take it all and they they die. And so the dead tree doesn't produce much fruit. That's the kind of the the take-home message with that, Al. And so I found that standard size trees have given me a lot more luck. So it's possible. You just have to be patient and try lots of different things.
2: So you you showed me you showed pictures in during the during the presentation of the orchard. And folks told you you couldn't but you have a really nice orchard you have big um big uh, evergreen trees planted all around it to to protect it and you have you have you know um another thing that you talked about was mimicking nature and yeah. uh and i really i really that really struck me too um you tell folks how they can mimic nature, like just by watching what's coming up or what's going with nature, you can get some a pulse on maybe what you should be planting, maybe the times and stuff like that.
7: That's exactly right, Alan. That's why I tell people if they want to be organic and they want to know how to do it, I said, "Well, see what nature does because they've been successful. That's been successful for millennia, um, and it's uh, it's a surefire thing." Um, and so if you, we live on the prairie and there's no trees growing on the prairie, but there's two places trees grow on the prairie and that's along um, uh, creek bottoms or river bottoms. And the two things they have that we don't have on the, on the vast prairie, with short grass prairie, at least where we are, 12 inches of rain, that's what we can expect every year, um, is a little extra water and a little protection from the fierce winds, whether they be warm ones in the winter or cold ones in the winter. or or the drying winds too in the summer. Um, And so friends of mine in Saskatchewan helped me with this, I understand this idea. If you want to have um, an orchard on the prairie, you need to protect it with a shelter belt or some trees around it that can um, protect it and break up the winds. And you need to give it a little extra water. And if you do those two things, you can be successful. If, you know, with with types that are um, hardy enough to withstand your, your zone wherever you're at. And I found that to be very true. And uh, so it's not a big orchard. It's what oh, a third of an acre or something. But it's um, uh, big enough to give us a, lots of ideas of what can survive and what can't survive and what actually uh, does well. Not only we just don't want survivors, we want um, uh, champions that really produce great tasting fruit and uh, is fun to eat and, and delicious.
2: Well, Bob, you know, continue your research because, boy, you're you're a resource that's just unstoppable. And I sure, I sure, really enjoyed just hanging out with you last weekend. We were both right there on the farm. Uh, we roomed together at the, in the Airbnb, and I felt like one of the luckiest guys down there for sure. It was great to hang out with you.
7: Well, likewise, you know, I found out a few secrets. I don't know how many of you out there at Radio Land know what a great guitar player Al is. And I great you <laughs> And a great cook. My gosh, he cooked a uh, pasta supper for us and it was fantastic. He made breakfast for me in the morning and while I was still working on my talks, he was out making breakfast. And I tell you, if you ever need a traveling companion, I highly recommend Al. It's, it's fantastic. Not only a great guy, but he's all got all these talents. So thanks again, Al.
1: Well, we're hoping to You're get welcome, up there Bob. on a road trip and check out your new uh, sunken orchard, which we talked about back in November. So hopefully we'll be yeah. seeing you soon, Bob.
2: I hope so. You're welcome anytime. The door is always open. Hey, Bob, tell folks how they can track you down online, catch up with you.
7: Well, that's pretty easy. You just look at Bob Quinn Organic Farmer, and that'll tie you into my Instagram. And I've got some folks helping me with that. They're just like slave drivers, they want to post twice a week. it's almost as bad as a milk cow, Al. It really is. <laughs> but instead of twice a day, it's twice a week. So, that's, you know, I shouldn't be complaining. But you'll be surprised how often that comes around. I try to put up there the uh, things that we're doing on the farm and you know, our experiments and some of the travels. And, and that's um, that's at least one way to connect.
2: Sure was great having you, Bob. Uh, I hope to see you soon. We'll keep in touch.
7: You're All right. You guys are always welcome. You come up. We'll look
1: for you this summer. Okay. Thanks, Bob.
7: Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work.
2: Take care, Bob.
1: And that's our show, Al. I can't tell you, I've really loved having Talia Keys, our featured musician, tonight. I know she's struggling, um, but her music has really given me a pick-me-up, especially that Born in the Light with that reggae feel and we're in the doldrums of winter with this inversion, Al. Talia, um, you've put it all out there on Facebook. You're never one to to pull your punches. Um, This album Lessons, How are you going to get it to the people? So we're just doing a digital release right now. We've been, you know, we've got a
3: publicist. We've been trying to get publicity about it, getting articles, getting it into playlists. Uh, But just little things like this, radioactive, you know, my good homies here at KRCL have always been great to us local musicians. Uh, So just getting to share it. And I just want to tell you, if any of this music resonates with you, please go get yourself a copy online and share it with your friends and family. Um, And then we are hoping, fingers crossed, that this spring we can do an album release. Um, The date is set. We just can't really move forward until we really know what's going on with COVID numbers. So fingers crossed, we will get back out there. Um, and I just want you all to know I appreciate the support any which way we can get it. We have a huge fan base that has been so supportive of everything we do and all of our activism. So thank you so much out there. It truly is life saving when you support artists. And I understand Al gets that. I know Laura gets that. Like we put our hearts and soul into our art. So when you resonate with it, thank you. I appreciate it.
2: We're going to do head
3: up next. Uh, tell us a little bit about Talia yeah so this one was written right when the pandemic hit and i was feeling sorry for myself and this is just a song that was it's the chorus is you got to keep your head up if you're feeling down you got to keep your head up and the whole thing is is it's okay to feel these dark feelings it's okay to feel this isolation but don't let it hold you all the way down that you lose your light um and i'm stoked about this song y'all are getting an advanced release it doesn't come out until next month it features the Omega Horns and my band, The Love, and this one is fun, so I just can't wait for you to hear it, and I hope it brightens your day.
1: And I love the name of the band, and I appreciate the Greek letter they chose yeah. <laughs> instead of Omicron. The Omega Horns. Tell us about the Omega Horns and all the musicians on the album. Yes, yeah, so the Omega Horns is led by Marcus. He, he does all
3: the transcribing and plays trombone. Got Candido Abieta on the saxophones, and we've got... Osti on trumpet. And then the love is Dave Brogan on the drums, Ryan Conger on the keys, Josh Olson on the bass, and Lisa G on vocals, and I play guitar and sing.
2: You heard it first right here on Punk Rock Farmer Friday. Head up, Talia Keys off the new record, fresh and homegrown KRCL 90.9 FM.